This is Principles in Practice, a Shape of Advice podcast brought to you by Professional Planner and BlackRock. My name is Tan Sharp and I'm the editor of Professional Planner. This series is a conversational style exploration of the different elements of practice management for advisors, drawing on the knowledge and experience of people that contribute to the delivery of advice to Australian consumers. Feel free to visit professionalplanner.com.au or get in touch to join the conversation. And now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode five of the Principles in Practice podcast. I'm Tan Sharp, editor of Professional Planner. Since the professional year program kicked off in 2019 under the uh, now defunct FASIA, its importance has grown because of two significant industry trends. The advisor exodus, of course, which has seen a somewhat artificially inflated figure of 30,000 licensed advisors shrink down to under 18,000, and also a narrowing of the pipeline of new entrants into advice. While having a professional pathway is broadly seen as a positive for the industry, the professional year has some issues with the administration and the cost burden adding to what some think is a preclusive doorway for advice terms to, to negotiate. And with the focus shifting from career changes to graduates, getting the message out to younger Australians has become the new barrier. Nevertheless, there is a growing cohort of advice firms that, uh, often in partnership with their licensees, are tackling the challenge of setting up professional year programs inside their own network. I'm with two advice leaders today who are doing just that, two Queenslanders, in fact, Darren Steinhardt, the founder and managing director of Licensee In Focus, and Chris Martin, managing partner at advice group KDM Financial. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, morning Tom. Chris, I'll start with you as a, uh, as a practicing advice principal. What's your opinion on the professional year set up at the moment and how it fits into the, the broader advice ecosystem? Yeah, good question. Look, look I, I personally really do like it and, and I was only thinking about again uh, last night in terms of when I started um, about 21 years ago roughly, pretty much straight out of school, um, started in with an advisor that was a family friend of ours for, for many, many years um, and, and went into his office and, and worked from his office um, basically full-time while studying part-time. And it was it was an excellent, uh, I suppose, couple of years for me there to, to really um, embed me in the advice space. Um, but certainly, the the big thing that it did lack was um, a lot of structure around it all. Um, and I was incredibly fortunate that the the two advisors at that office um, worked very very closely with me and had me involved with, with client meetings straight away, pretty much. Um, but uh, there's certainly, um, I, I suppose, uh, it has come a long way since that 20 odd years ago now, and um, and it's probably the, the big one would definitely be the structure and the um, uh, the, the process behind it all, and what you uh, the steps that you need to achieve, and a, a good map of, of what you're going to expect during that year. Yeah. I guess it's the idea is to create a baseline where everyone gets that structure as they come in through the process um, that FASIA have set up. Where is KDM at in, in terms of its own PY program? What's the, the sort of broad strokes um, process that you've got set up? Yeah, so we did go fairly aggressive into the space uh, a, a couple of years, or well, as soon as we could, essentially. Um, so we've now had two uh, advisors complete their professional year uh, we currently have another two going through the, the, the um, program and another two that will start uh, on the 1st of July. 
Um, so for, for us, it, it's certainly, um, as you mentioned, even on the intro there, one of the biggest uh, risks or concerns that we have for the profession going forward is bringing that talent through and making sure we have that next generation of advisor. Uh, and it, as you mentioned, it's quite a small, a small pool of advisors at the moment, or, or I suppose um, students going into that uh, particular area as well. So we certainly, we would like to really dominate the space is probably not the right word, but we, we, we would like to uh, aggressively um, look into those spaces to get those young advice on board. Yeah, it certainly behooves any advice practice to have a strong pipeline coming through. Did you have any help setting up the the structure of it? Did you look to any associations or anything online or or get any consultants to come in and tell you how to do it? Not in terms of... Uh, we, we, we had, I suppose, a... a uh, informal uh, structure already in place from since, say, 2015, 2014, uh, where we had a few trainees moving into the advice space. Um, so we were able to take a lot of that information that we already have, already had, look at the FASIA framework as well and, and their um, journal and their recording process, essentially merge the two uh, and away we went. So um, we, we also then, we, we have lent on a couple of other, um, uh, AFSL managers and advisors there around getting their expectations on um, what previous programs had missed, what were the, the pros and cons of, of various training structures and essentially blend them all into one. Uh, and, of course, we, we do then um, revise, review um, the, the, the structure that we have quite regularly. Sure, I'd imagine a bit of a little bit of trial and error along the way as well. Darren, as the head of a, a fairly large licensee, was there an acknowledgement from the jump that the professional year requirement necessitated some kind of structure at the at the dealer group level that some kind of assistance and support would be required in that aspect? Um, absolutely, Tony. If, if I look at the whole professional year, if I, I suppose reflecting what you know, Chris just said, when I started, which is actually thirty three years ago now. Um, I was actually quite fortunate that I, I had a couple of wonderful mentors who did actually groom me, I suppose, you know, taught me a whole lot of things. And it was, it's very different today than what we need to have where there is, a, there is a barrier to entry, which is based on education, and then there is a structured program from there. If I look at what we've done over the time, it's, um, we, we have always wanted to, I suppose, not just expand and grow our business by look, having new people join our advisory uh, network, but we've also been quite keen at, uh, um, to, I suppose, to grow our own talent. Um, we want to make sure that we have a, a career path for people that might join us as a, a client service officer on our service desk or in one of the teams that we have and give them a path to go into advice, either into or into professional standards or into, into advice support. Um, and over the years prior to the professional program formally commencing, we've, we've got about 16 practices that we've actually um, helped evolve internally by people who've actually grown through the system. So for us, the professional development program is just really another level on top of what we have traditionally done over the years. Much more structured, much more formal, um, and I think much better. So at this point in time, we've, uh, we've, we've put a few, obviously, we have put together a, a quite strong program. We've kind of made sure that with the 
the, 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 the size of the group that we have, we wanted to make sure there's a good collegiate working environment for everybody going through the program. Um, it's lonely doing it by yourself, so doing it with a, with a group of colleagues, um, uh, like-minded who want to assist and help everybody grow is, has, has been absolutely wonderful. Um, at this point in time, we've only got four in the program, but there's actually 12 that are at various stages of coming on board into that program over the next three months, actually. So, um, And there's, again, a few things that we've done within the network to help defray the costs of actually helping advisors get people in that program because it, you know, running your own advice practice, having a, 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 a one of your team members go through, there are the ancillary costs that you'll you'll have to cover, but then there's all those hidden costs, really time and the investment that's got to be put into the people. So we, we do what we can to help everybody through that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it sucks a lot of time and, and a lot of resources from advisors and it's hard to do on their own. And I guess for a licensee as well, licensees are always being uh, constantly assessed by, by advisors for their value proposition. And this, this professional year program support really becomes another battleground, if you will, for that, for that value proposition. And uh, so it's, it's, I'd imagine it's important for, for InFocus to really hone in on that straight away. I did ask Chris before what he thought what personally about the, the PY program. What's, what are your thoughts when it came out? Did you think sort of the structure, the length of tutelage, the, the admin requirements, they're all reasonably fair and effective? I don't, I don't believe they're onerous. I absolutely don't. Because when you look at once someone gets through the professional year program and are released onto clients, when, I mean, as, as a professional advisor, when someone says, okay, I'm going to take you on board, Darren, as my advisor, they are in essence abdicating financial responsibility for, for their, themselves and their family to you. It's a very large responsibility. If you look at retirees that come into work with us, our average account balance now for new clients is about a million dollars. It is a significant responsibility. And for me, I think the professional year program that we have and the so that barrier to entry, which is based on education and then the additional work that's required, I think is appropriate for the responsibility that a professional advisor takes on. I think it's fantastic. Good stuff. So what does InFocus have set up for the practices under its wing and, and what were the challenges in getting to that point? You know, I mentioned before with, with Chris that you can, you're obviously going to have some, some mistakes along the way. What was it like setting up the process for you guys and, and the, uh, the firms that are under your wing? Um, look, it, it wasn't as easy as you'd think. Um, we have done and we have worked with, with, with firms over the years to, to develop talent internally. Um, I think you've always got to look at your internal talent and growing and, and assisting them as, a, as, a, as a, in addition to the external stuff. So really, we've looked at trying to get a balance between what our former programs have been, uh, which have been about client engagement and, and that, that, sort of, that sort of focus, now bringing that into what a, a very strong educative sort of process is. So if I look at the, the structure that we have in place now, there are the the, the hours and the investment that each advisor must make when they have a, uh, a, um, a professional year applicant attached to them, um, really looking at their, their, those, those key work activity areas and the, um, the other things, just such as the, the work activity objectives, those sort of things, and making sure that the time invested into those and the training that goes into those is actually appropriate. But then also looking at some of the, the more soft sort of areas, which I know everybody within business, it doesn't really matter how technically brilliant you are as an advisor. If you actually can't get somebody to take on board the advice and really illustrate the benefits of that advice and what it does, which I'm not sure that the professional program in its current form does 
or possibly does not do well enough. So we've put more of those, those soft sort of skill areas in. It's almost like if I go back to when I started, one of the best things I did back in 19, so it's going to sound old now, <laughs> 1989, uh, in my second week in the, it was much in, very much an industry back then, I joined a program run by the ALA, which is the precursor of the, of the AFA. Um, and I was in a group there with a uh, probably half a dozen advisors from different organizations everywhere. Um, and we had some some senior people that really helped us through that through those soft sort of skill areas. So we've wanted to make sure that in addition to the, the structured requirements of the professional program, we do have an element of, of soft skill in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a limit to what it can do. So you need to sort of fill the edges with that, I yes. would imagine. Yeah. Just sticking with you, Darren, it is a bit of a faith game, isn't it? Because there's no guarantee that that graduates will stick around after you've invested all that uh, time and money into getting them trained up. Um, I mean, the hardest part for principals in in practice is that there's no guarantee that after outlaying all that money and time, they'll stick around. And the new entrant has the right to leave. Um, they have every right to leave if their sense is that, you know, if, if their loyalty permits it, I guess. Um, my question, is that a flaw in the system or is it really incumbent on firms to provide the kind of atmosphere um, and salary, if we're to be honest, that will keep young advisors there? Yeah, it's a really good question, Tan. And in my view, if somebody's business isn't structured in the way that it needs to be to both attract and retain talent, the issue isn't the professional year. The issue is the business internally. It's really looking at reviewing the business model and how that works. Do you have a a um, remuneration program that actually is appropriate for the team that you have? Do you have a career path that will allow these people to, to progress through to partnership if that's what they want to do? Um, do you have good structures in place for people who do need to take time out of the workforce from uh, from time to time? Um, and in our case, what, what we looked at doing early on is recognising that there will be some wonderful people that we've got in our business and God, we've got some absolute wonder, uh, wonderful people. Um, I do have one of the, one of the advisors in the network. I, I embarrass every, at every opportunity because he's, he's probably the age, if I had a son, he's the age of, of what my son would be. He started with us as a, a CSO straight out of school and now he runs a multi-million dollar advisory firm within our network. And I looked at, you know, I'm, I think when I, when I looked at that individual going through what was happening with his career, I wanted to make sure that there was a mechanism where I could help him achieve the objectives that he wanted to achieve, um, but also retain him within the Infocus family. So for me, it's it's not specifically, it is a, it is a leap of faith. Um, and I think if you do run an advisory practice very well, it's a, it is a, a, a profitable and very, very enjoyable uh, profession. But I think you do need to give back to what, what you do receive out of it over time as well. So we're happy to, to help people grow and uh, move on to the next level of, their, of that, what they want to do professionally, be that within our network, which we'd love, or externally, we're happy with either way. Yeah. It's that kind of giving back that I think the industry reads right now. We talk about leadership being, uh, being a bit of a vacuum in the industry, but I think it's there and it's in those, those notions, that, that, that idea of giving back. This episode is proudly sponsored by BlackRock. My name is Chantal Giles and I'm Head of Wealth for BlackRock Australia. BlackRock is a global investment manager that has served the Australian market for over three decades, with a commitment to helping more people plan for their financial future. As a long-standing partner to financial advisors, BlackRock delivers tailored holistic investment solutions, thought leadership, and investment technology to help clients build resilient portfolios. To learn how we can help you and your clients, please visit the BlackRock Australia website. 
Chris, how do you think you would have gone as a young whippersnapper coming into advice if you had a structured uh, program like this set up? Do you think it would have been constrictive or you would have benefited from it? You're, you said you obviously had a pretty good entry into the industry. Would this have added to that? Yeah, look, it, it would have, uh, I, I suppose, just knowing a little bit more around what to expect at, at what years and what kind of um, education I needed to align that with as well. Um, it was uh, like but back in, in the early 2000s, of course, that there was a little bit of rumour around what uh, additional education requirements would be needed. Um, but uh, nothing, I suppose, hard and fast. And, and I'm fortunate that um, a couple of mentors, um, one of them by name, Bill Crawford, who was quite a legend in the industry back then, um, and, and he really sat me down in that first one or two weeks and said, uh, make sure you're just continuously studying, because at the end of the day, um, in order for our industry to move into a profession, uh, th there's always going to be additional um, study requirements needed. And I'm glad that he did because, um, uh, you know, it, it, it did then make sure that, that I, I, I kept going to uni, kept doing the degrees and and, and, and essentially married that in with all the um, the practical experience that I was getting working for a firm. Uh, so, yeah, definitely to answer your question, it, it, it would have benefited um, a, a fair bit for me. But like I was saying earlier, I, I was incredibly fortunate that um, the, the advisors that I were working for um, at the time, really were, um, I suppose, very transparent and very honest around what to expect and, and what you should be achieving at certain levels as well, um, heading through the, the industry. So, uh, yeah, it, it yeah. was good. good really prescient advice there to always be studying. That's really come in handy, I imagine, especially yeah. in the last few years. Um, Definitely. Chris, can you tell me about, uh, you mentioned their uni and it's a really good segue because I know that KDM has uh, some history with the universities up there in Queensland. Can you tell me a bit about that, that contact and how that's tied in with the professional year? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so I, I suppose really it's two part from our end. There's myself and my business partner, Luke Marshall. Uh, Luke does a lot of work in with QUT as doing um, guest lecturing uh, through um, the, the financial planning degree there. Um, and also working quite closely with the uh, alumni from both the um, degree side of things and then also the um, master's program that they run there and do a little bit of talking at their, at their master's programs. Um, but the, the main reason, I suppose, why we really have those contacts uh, is, of course, it, twice a year they do a um, uh, an internship um, style where, where, where they'll have anywhere from, say, four to six interns that all um, need to get experience working in practices. We always um, put our hand up straight away to take on as many interns as we can. Um, it gives you then a really good insight, obviously, on how they're going to work. Um, and we generally hire then every six months at least, say, two of those four to five interns. Typically, that the ones that we actually don't put on are because they need to continue to study full-time. Uh, and, and we... we Personally, we always prefer to, to put on full-time roles, not part-time or casual roles. Um, so there, there's those two aspects, there, there's those aspects there of, of working in very close with the unis. Um, plus, we also do a few um, additional things with them, such as sponsoring uh, a couple of students every year as well, and offering a few prizes for the top students. Um, so it, it always seems to keep us, I suppose, front of mind, and um, and and is, is 
proving to be a, a good resource for us. Yeah, great. Um, and and all, all of the the interns that, that we have actually hired, they're still with us. They're, they're going um, exceptionally well. Um, and, and they certainly, I suppose, exactly like what Darren was saying earlier, where it is those, those soft skills that they do obviously need to learn. A lot of times they're coming out of uni where okay, they have all the academic side of things down pat, but... For the majority of our team, um, I suppose, in that age bracket, we're usually their first office job that they've actually had. Of course. So that in itself um, it makes things very entertaining and adds another level of complexity to it. Um, but uh, exactly what, like what Darren mentioned, if we focus on making sure that they're, um, yeah, that they're getting that experience and um, uh, training around the rapport building and soft skills, uh, that they, they, they're coming out fantastic advisors. Yeah, it's interesting. It's At that point, you're really just, you're learning how to sit down for eight or nine hours at a desk in a row. That's that's the, yeah. the main thing that you want to get through. When did you say that you're actually reaching them? Are you approaching them at the final few years of uni, at, at year three or four? Uh, yeah, the majority of them, well, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's probably say a third of them were actually finding in the, the master program, the, the master's program. So usually they've even finished their degree moved into their master's program and are now looking to um, either add to that degree because a lot of times um, it might have been in, say, economics or accounting. Um, so they need to do obviously additional study to then make it all, all an approved course. Um, so either we're finding them through those channels or definitely in that final year uh, of their study when they do need to have that element of um, in-field experience as well before they can actually graduate. Mm. That, that's typically where we find the, the best camp. Okay. Well, good on you for getting in touch with the universities. That might that might be out of reach for some practices, but in terms of maybe getting up to standard and, and setting up a serviceable PY program, what are some of the fundamentals, uh, Chris, that, that sort of the principles should keep in mind, some of the basic, you know, how-tos? Yeah, look, I suppose the, um, the, the fundamentals are, are definitely that, Whilst it can be a, a little bit of a, a scary step to go to that level of hiring someone so so fresh and putting in the, the um, massive amounts of time that, that are needed and energy that are needed to train them up, um, we are we very confident that it, that if you show them, uh, I, I, I suppose if you do right by them, they'll do right by us. So we'd rather take that leap of faith and go, yep, okay, then we'll put the time and effort into you under the, I suppose, um, uh, proviso that that loyalty there will we'll stick through the years. And, and so far it has been, and um, exactly though what, what, what Darren was saying, that, that you, you do need to make sure that everything else is backed up um, at the end of the program, that the salaries, the step forwards, the career progression, all that needs to be rock solid. Um, so I certainly wouldn't look at it as a short-term thing. I certainly wouldn't look at it as a 12-month thing. It's obviously, um, you know, you, you want these advisors, well, to eventually move into partner roles within the firm. Um, so it's obviously a, a very long-term um, platform you're looking for. The, the other big fundamental for us is certainly around culture. Um, I would much rather put on uh, a, a, a student who, even if their grades and, and my grades through study were never really that crash hot. Um, and, and, and so we always look for students who do have that ability that you know that if you put them in front of people, they're, they're going to do right by the client. They're in it for the right reason as well. 
then they're not looking for a big pay packet. They're actually wanting to help and educate people. And they're also, I suppose, not looking to um, be jumping into, you know, $5 million plus clients in their first week and things like that. They do have to have a bit of reality around, um, I suppose, the the kind of clients they'll be working for or working with in that in those first three to five years. And if they tick all those boxes and if they fit in well with the group, uh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really long haul thing. It's a, it's a development program, essentially. Uh, and yeah. the PY program is going nowhere. I know, I know they're fiddling around with certain standards and things like that, and that'll come up in the quality of advice review. But the professional year program is, is pretty well set, I think. You know, they may sort yeah. of, you know, touch it up, but I, I think it's here to stay. Darren, do you have anything to add to that there on, you know, the advice for advisors trying to structure these internal programs? Any tips? Oh, the only... Look, there are a couple of tips. One would be if you are going to do it, do it seriously. It is not a quick-term solution and there is an investment and you will not get a payback on that investment for five, six or seven years, but you will get a payback on it. Um, that payback might be giving back to the industry, get back to the developing profession, whatever it is. Um, and uh, but to, just to just, uh, I suppose support what Chris mentioned before, if I look at the people that we've we've got through that it's yeah, culture has got to be number one if there's a cultural fit if they're the right person for you then fantastic um and if you really look at how the professional year in, in my view is developing and evolving it's it is a part of what we did need in place for the industry to to really complete that evolution towards a profession i look at the people that we've got in our professional year now the ones that are joining through it and the younger advisors coming through the network and I look at that sort of stuff and I can feel pretty comfortable that I might only have another five or ten years left in this industry before I before I head out but I look at the the next generation coming through and I've got to tell you it's pretty damn impressive. Absolutely. Chris I guess this kind of go back goes back to the fundamentals uh, of training and mentoring but but how do the young adults usually go when they when they pick this up they are generally young adults I mean, are there parts of the process that they like and don't like? Do they do they sort of do they moan about doing the administration, or or is there anything that they're sort of particularly sort of uh, a little bit worried about? Yeah, look, we, we've we've certainly had, I suppose, the full range of exactly that, where you you do get the odd candidate that um you know does think that all they're going to be doing is is advising clients and that's going to be 100 percent of their time and everything like that we, we, we're very uh i suppose structured around okay you need to learn all the admin side of things you need to know how to do everything from even you know following up an underwriter and talking to an underwriter around um xyz um amendment and, and how you're going to then discuss that amendment with the client and um, right through to, uh, you know, um, I suppose, well, filling out forms for, for transactions and rollovers and comparing different policies and funds and things like that. You, you need to really get all that baseline stuff sorted um, before you can then go off and, and adequately look after a client from um, first contact right through to giving advice right through to implementation. If you don't know what you're looking at in, in the back end of it all, uh, things are going to go wrong pretty quick. So typically for us, uh, we, we would even uh, put them in on an administration role for the first 12 months to try and really bed that down, get them used to how we're doing things, really get them in, immersed within the practice. Then we'll move them into the 12-month provisional year. Um, then at the end of that 12-month provisional year, at least for the first 
two years as an advisor, they'll still do 95% of their admin for sure. Um, and, and really by, by then they're generally saying they're late 20s and they've obviously had now a lot of client meetings under their belt uh, and, and we have a couple of, of um, advisors exactly in that position now where they're then starting to train up administration people under them. They're starting to work in with a couple of our next provisional year advisors as well to, to give them a few um, handy hints on, on, on what to do and what not to do. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it certainly – admin is, is definitely a fundamental area they need to really lock down. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I remember it as well. Darren? I was going to say, I actually find that the program working effectively as it obviously is with, with Chris, it does become a part of the career progression. So if I look at everyone that, that we, we have that's gone through that, they do have one of the entry level roles before they do move through and they get to a point where it's now their turn to start to take that mentorship position through. So yeah, it's a yeah, part of career progression. Certainly is. Yeah, I remember coming through and it was uh, it was a matter of client services and then doing some power planning yep. and, and starting to do those those big underwriting calls, you know, if you're going to be a holistic advisor and, and learning the insurance side as well. And, you know, I, I can't imagine really going into advice without that sort of uh, broad base of, of knowledge that you get from trying all those roles. And it can be arduous. Yeah, you would like those $5 million clients straight away, but if you're not armed with the knowledge to, to handle them and the soft skills, then you really probably shouldn't have them. So I think it works Absolutely. out well and, and this really gives a structure to it. Darren, looking forward, where do you think we'll be in five years on this? You know, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago that the PY um, program probably isn't going to change, but you know it may it may sort of morph in some respect. Do you think there'll be regulatory change, or will it sort of be the industry that drives the evolution of that process? Look, what what I would hope would occur is that give it another year or two of, of, of water under the bridge here, is that there will be a review of how the PY year is going, not to look at massive change, but to look at what sort of fine tuning needs to be done to just enhance what. what, what uh, how it goes on. I said, my, my view is in, in five years' time, this will be a standard part of a program that is in place for um, for our profession, as it is for many other professions out there. You look at you know, accounting and, and, and legal as, as examples. Um, and if this then becomes, this then should become that standard um, uh, with, with, with structured programs to get everybody in to the point where they need to be so that, you know, they the, um, the journey of, of heading down that path to being a profession will be ideally completed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, that, that should do us for today. It's been a really interesting chat about what I think will become, you know, one of the main um, elements of the bedrock of financial planning in the industry. And uh, I thank you both for your time. My pleasure. Thank you.